there's only one snack that can make me feel like I'm having the true movie theater experience, and that's popcorn. When my mom and I hang in for a girl's night, we have to get our fix, and that's where Kelly's Killer Popcorn comes in. They're a small batch gourmet popcorn company, and believe me, one bite and you'll be hooked. Made in Austin, Texas, this family-owned business has tons of flavors. My mom loves their salted agave caramel, while I have a hard time picking between black pepper or dill pickle. Hmm, maybe I'll just mix the bags together. Oh, and when my dad and brother crash our girl's night, you know that spicy nacho popcorn is coming out. Every flavor is popped in 100% real butter and is whole grain and gluten-free. Which flavor will you be choosing? Head on over to kellyskillerpopcorn.com to indulge yourself in some scary good gourmet popcorn. And make sure to tag them on Instagram at kellyskillerpopcorn so that they can see what movie you're pairing with their flavors. That's kellyskillerpopcorn.com for American-made, small-batch, delicious popcorn. I might be vegetarian, but that doesn't mean I can't enjoy a good spice rub. My favorite place to get them is Smoked Bros, a veteran-owned and operated business that sells premium handcrafted dry rubs, spice blends, and seasonings. Guys, you can even put it on your popcorn. My favorites are Honey Badger, because he doesn't give a bleep, and Jelly and Peanut Flavor Topping, because mm, 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 some things just taste better together. The website even has recipes, so go check out smokedbros.com to support a veteran-owned and operated business and fill your cabinet with delicious flavor. On the last episode of the Video Archives podcast, Roger and Quentin liked it hot like the illustrated man. These are not tattoos! They're skin illustrations! Found out the truth in dirty hands. He seems to be upset that there's like a little bit of comedy, but that is what makes the movie wonderful. And unleash the curse of Demonoid, Messenger of Death, upon all at Video Archives. I think this is the best crawling hand I've ever seen in any movie. And now we bring you the after show, your backstage pass to exclusive content, answers to your burning questions, and even more film discussion. I'm your left-handed, demon-possessed host, Gala Avery. You guys, I was finally able to track down Dirty Hands. And let me tell you, I am so glad that I did. Roger and Quentin sat back down with me to discuss my opinions on the film. But before we get into the further discussion on Dirty Hands, let's take a listen to some outtakes from the last episode. I love tracking down the VHS tapes for every episode. But as a VHS novice, I need a lot of help. Sometimes I stumble when it comes to what company I buy my tape from. Thankfully, I have Roger and Quentin to set me straight. Listen now as they teach me about VHS modes and how a heavier tape is always better. Okay, Quentin, I have to tell you this. Last episode, you made fun of my Video Treasures Demonoid cassette. Yes, I did. (laughs) I understand why. Because I had not received it yet when we recorded. And I also received a VHS tape for a future episode, which was a New World home video, I believe. And when I held both of them, I was like, why is Demonoid like a piece of paper? <laughs> and this New World home video box, I feel like I'm lifting weights. Yeah, right. <laughs> it looks great. I mean, it's red, which is why I bought it online. Mm. But it's there's like nothing in here, yeah. it feels like. Yeah, like more tape equals more data. Yeah. And so I the heavier felt, the tape, the better. 
so embarrassed that I had to go and buy the Japanese one. No, oh, uh-huh. So the Japanese demonoids on the way, and I'm going to do a weight test comparing them okay. with your copy as well, because mm-hmm. I didn't understand that these tapes really like had a weight difference to them. You kind of mentioned it in oh, the yeah. first episode, but if it's a movie that's approaching a, the two hour mark, and it, and especially in the earlier days of uh, of video, which which the media release mm-hmm. would be would have been, yeah. Um, they were using the best quality videotapes they could possibly get. They were using, you know, what, what would have been the the high standard rate, uh, the high standard uh, the quality. Most of us, we didn't buy the high standard Fuji tapes or we didn't, didn't buy the high standard TDK tapes unless we really thought something was really special because we just had so many video cassettes. Yeah, I had like two really high quality tapes that I would use yeah. <laughs> for very specific things. But, you know, they they used the best quality videotapes to put out their stuff because it was, you know, it was like they were, as far as they were concerned, there was almost like they were striking a print and they were filming it. And, and they were recording it in the SP mode. And so that's just a heavy-duty video cassette. You explain the modes for a moment. There's yeah. SP, LP, and EP. Yeah. Extended and play, long play, and yeah. standard play. Yeah. On, on your video recorder, the way it would work is SP would tape for two hours. What was the middle one? LP. LP would record for four hours. Yeah. And then EP would record for six hours. With increasing degrees of degradation in quality. Yeah. And then what what happened is as the cheapy video companies like like Video Treasures or Good Time Videos came in there, then the videos would start going from SP to EP for just long enough for the movie to last. So like literally it's, you know, it looks like a half a roll. Right? <laughs> yeah, you could see the whole thing. It, it was, it, it's the epitome of cheapness. But yeah, they're like, they're like paper. It's like paper. So if I had been able to go to a video store and I had two in front of me, I would be able to pick them up and feel which one was heavier, which one's lighter. Yeah. For someone that has to go onto eBay because there are no video stores around me, what brands should I be looking for when I'm looking for a video? Like, are there standout companies? Well, here's the deal. As as time went on, even Paramount and Warner Brothers started releasing, especially their older releases, uh, uh, in EP, which was disgusting. Yeah, it was the worst. I mean, Paramount released... We waited forever for Danger Diabolic to come out. And Paramount released it in fucking EP. It was like, oh my God. Uh, Catalog uh, title. Yeah. But anything like like a regular Warner Home Video will be SP. That'll be good, great, great quality. My Video Treasures Demonoid tape weighed 6.8 ounces, while my Japanese tape weighed 7.7 ounces. Speaking of Demonoid, I love Samantha Egger. She is quickly becoming a Video Archive's favorite. Quentin and Roger give us a bit more info about her career. But first, we have to talk about Roy Jensen being cast as a character that he doesn't normally play. Here he's billed as Roy Cameron Jensen. All right. Uh, but yeah, he's like uh, Ben Johnson's uh, right-hand man in, in Dillinger. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's also in, in Bronson's Breakout. He's one of the fucking gang, uh, motorcycle gang members in Every Which Way But Loose. Well, and he is completely <laughs> realistically cast here as a mining engineer because, as I mentioned when well, we were I've watching never, this. I've never seen him, one, play a role this close to a lead and I've definitely never seen him married to anybody like Samantha fucking Egger. Right. And, She's so beautiful in this and, he, and I, I love her wardrobe also. I just have to say yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, no, her wardrobe is terrific. Like, and I know that I'm sure that but she I think specifically he, like- yeah, yeah, no, no, I'm sure when Samantha Egger would do like the exterminator or this or anything, she, she probably- Took care of the wardrobe herself. I'm she, not. It's great. It, her yeah. wardrobe is fantastic. Yeah. I I wanted to watch her half the time just to see what mm-hmm. she was wearing. I found her absolutely delightful to watch. Now, 
I imagine that she's done hundreds of hours of like, I don't know, Love Boat and uh, Fantasy Island. No, not hundreds of hours. She did an episode. No, I mean an episode, (laughs) but I mean of television. She's done done it all. No, but the thing about her when she would show up on television, you know, she was a big name in the 60s. And so when, um, uh, so in the 70s, she'd go and do it like a Beretta. Or she does anything like that. But like, it's a big deal that they had Samantha Egger, you know? Yeah. So the whole episode is built around Samantha Egger. <laughs> She's Well, she has a kind of precision to, yeah. to her performance that is a... No, she's highly actually, professional yeah. Hollywood actress. No, she's the kind of actress that you would actually follow on an episode because like, oh, I'd like to see an episode of Beretta with her and Robert Blake. Yeah. Oh, I'd like to see an episode of Magnum P.I. with her and Tom Selleck together as the stars. I love her big eyes. I love her wardrobe. I love her incredulous performance as things are happening. Mm-hmm. She, but look, it's exploded from within. Okay, so like, you're her. For sure. Samantha Egger was nominated for the Academy Award for Best Actress in 1965 for her role as Miranda Gray in The Collector. We all felt the love in the room when we watched Demonoid Messenger of Death. It's one of my favorite movies that we have watched in season one. For fans like me, we might want to check out some of Alfredo Zacharias' other films. I want to say I want to see a few more of the ones that actually got released in America, and I I think there's about like I think there's at least four or something. Well, and the bees, we've got to see the bees. Well, the bees, yeah, the bees, and uh, but I've never bees. My bees will be much better than the swarm. (laughs) (laughs) That's not quite. (laughs) I remember hating the bees. I remember being completely ripped off when I saw the bees. Wanted to see the swarm, and you ended up with the bees. No, no, I knew I was seeing a rip off of it, but it looked uh, it was terrible. I remember. I remember feeling very ripped off when I saw the bees at Delamo. And there's one more legit movie he did, and I'm spacing on the name of it right now, but maybe it'll come to me later. But then he also, in the 90s, I think, uh, late 80s or early 90s, he, I think he directed the last movie Aldo Ray was in. Mm. And I have it on video. I've never watched it though, but it's a it's a, a, a David Carradine and Aldo Ray, and it's like you know they used they worked together before when they were younger. So actually, it's actually kind of kind of curious to see it again to see them back together again. The film in question, 1989's Crime of Crimes. However, this is actually the second to last film that Aldo Ray is credited in. His last film will be 1991's Shock 'Em Dead. Both Crime of Crimes and The Bees are available to watch for free on YouTube. Roger is a huge Ray Bradbury fan. Although they kept the discussion on the Illustrated Man spoiler-free, Roger brought his book with him to compare the original work with the movie. Roger reveals to us the joys of reading Bradbury and how the original text differs from the movie. As Felicia says at the very beginning of the movie, each person who tries to see beyond his own time must face questions to which there cannot yet be proven answers. And so I guess we won't give any uh, uh, spoilers, but... It, is it just me or is that like, because I couldn't even find that in the book. I'm presuming it is in the book somewhere, but I couldn't find oh, it. Oh, I'm sure it's in there somewhere. Hmm, there's a lot of changes to this. <laughs> but uh, presuming it is. It or seems, maybe or maybe it's, yeah, maybe, maybe it it's like not, a maybe. very long and obtuse kind of thought, actually, you know, to me. I, I get it. Like people look into the future. Well, look, I mean, like I'm sure some... I'm thinking it. I'm sure somebody making the movie go, okay, so wait a minute. This movie takes place in the 20s, but before 
automatic transmission, but yet you're able to see TVs that are, well, what's a TV, but like a TV that is a phone and spaceships. (laughs) It's actually one of the charms of reading Bradbury is that even he is kind of a product of the past. And so when he's describing new technologies, he's really relating them to very old ideas and just he's only using generally convenience, Mm -hmm. human convenience as what the future is. And it is it is definitely taking place in like 1920. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think in the book he mentions that uh, you know that he was around this area before in 1900. Okay, I yeah, think. Yeah. And uh-huh. so this and we're imagining that he's been kind of traveling the rails and mm-hmm. everything. So yeah, it's like about 1920, which is a normal time. You know, 1920s, 1930s, kind of old America. This was Bradbury's thing. Something wicked this way comes. You know, he frequently wrote about kind of the feel of autumn, where there's still heat in the air, and, mm-hmm. every, and but there's also death in the air, is like the leaves are falling, and into town with the kind of autumn wind rolls these mysterious characters throughout you know Middle America. Next up, Roger and Quentin talk about director Jack Smite and reveal to us the true nature of Claire Bloom and Rod Steiger's on-screen romance. And you told me uh, Rod Steiger and Claire Bloom, are, they were married, right? Yeah, uh-huh. they were married at the time. Yeah. So this movie was really like uh, for the fun of working together, or did they work together a lot? I think they do. I think they worked together a few times, frankly, actually. And also, like I said, he had, he had started a really nice uh, uh, relationship with uh, uh, Jack Smite. He did two movies um, with Jack Smite, this and the one right afterwards, which was Rabbit Run, and which was adapted from a well, novel. John, John Updike. No, yeah, yeah, is adapted from a novel by John Updike. And so it occurred to me he's a producer who was adapting other writers' works. Yeah, yeah. It's easier to adapt somebody else's work mm-hmm. than to write it yourself. And Bradbury was not really very happy and with this. it's not necessarily easier to adapt good novels and to well, turn them into not movies. It's, easy, it's not that it's easier, <laughs> but if you're a producer and you're just like, hey, I've got the book, how can it be? It's not that difficult. Mm-hmm. I'll pick three good stories and I'll put it in. For all of you Bradbury nerds out there, cover your ears. I reveal what I thought the true meaning of the skin illustrations were. And yes, I am totally wrong. Now, this you can cut out because it may ruin the ending, but I have to ask this question. When I had heard about the illustrated man, I was always under the impression that the tattoos that he had were not tattooed like all in a row on him. I was under the impression that because he has that blank space that you can look and see your future, that each of these tattoos was someone that had looked onto his body and that he had captured like their soul. Is that true? Well, when the television series gets done, that's a great idea to pitch. <laughs> but I don't think that's in the, I thought, in the book. I, for some no. reason, I thought that was in the book. I'd only read the first thing in the belt and maybe another story. Yeah. So I just had to ask. Before we jump into the extended discussion with Roger and Quentin on Dirty Hands, Quentin made an interesting connection between the movie and Melville. Well, I mean, actually, frankly, to tell you the truth, even though he doesn't do this kind of movie, what this movie reminded me of quite a bit is uh, one of Jean-Pierre Melville's Yes. Inter- international yeah, production. Now, that. now, Melville doesn't do this type of movie. He does these kind of gangster kind of thrillers, but he'll still do these international ones where, okay, oh, Alain Delon is in it and Richard Crenna is in it. Yeah. Or this one's in it and, you know, and Le- uh, uh, Alain Delon and uh, Lino Ventura is in it. Um, so this has that international production kind of thing. But why it reminds me of a Melville film is. It's entertaining like yeah. a Melville film. There's just a, a, a sense of entertainment involved in... There, there's nothing esoteric about it. There's nothing 
you know, you got to stare at it a little bit and let it come to you. No, that's why New Line picked it up. Want to know what your favorite writers, directors, actors, and photographers are secretly interested in? Check out The Gala Show, where each week a guest of my choosing brings an entirely new topic to the mic, and it can be anything they want to discuss. The catch? They only have 30 minutes. Join me, your reporter on the beat, Gala Avery, every Thursday for a new discussion on The Gala Show, available wherever you get your podcasts. And now for my sit down with Roger and Quentin. Hey guys, I'm back and I was able to watch Dirty Hands and I'm so glad that Quentin and Roger are here to sit down with me today and talk about it. Yeah. So what did you think about it after all of our uh, uh, bullwhacking about it? You know, the first thing I have to say is I'm really happy you guys left it spoiler free and Mm -hmm. I'm hoping today we can kind of unlock the spoilers because hopefully people that are listening have had enough time to go and find um, dirty hands. And just a reminder, it's unavailable for streaming currently, but I was able to pick up a DVD from Barnes and Noble for $20. So you are able to go find some physical media out there that is easily accessible so you can watch this movie. And you had no luck looking for the, the, uh, the wizard you know, home video. I did not update. I actually managed to find a wizard home video copy on eBay of dirty hands for $129.75. It just goes to show that things pop up on eBay all the time. So to my fellow collectors out there, never give up hope. I hope you all had time to watch Dirty Hands as our discussion starts right at the end of the film and is full of spoilers. We'll be talking about the final reveal along with a discussion on Rod Steiger. I'm so glad you guys left it spoiler free because the twist upon twist upon twist was so fun to watch because I knew from your guys' discussion that there was a twist, Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that there was like, a double twist. It's the double twist that I think makes it cheesy. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, like I can't look, I have a big problem with movies where in the last 20 minutes, what you had like two different characters who were supposedly dead pop up. And now everyone. All, it yeah. was like everyone that had it was like a curtain call. Every single person that had been in the movie that was like, I'm dead, all of a sudden is just like in that room yeah. with them at the very end. Yeah, I know. Yeah. All of a sudden, every character we've been introduced to through the entire movie all has guns, you know, <laughs> and they're all at each other. and everyone's fine. Look, I, it's I, like I, Agatha Christie or something. No, no that's not that that's just <laughs> shitty fucking <laughs> action filmmaking. Uh, 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 yeah, as far as I'm concerned. All the characters when they died could have stayed dead. All yeah. right, you know, uh, including Rod Steiger. Yeah, including Rod Steiger, but, but that would have required the script to be even better. Yeah. All right, right. to like right. pull it off. But then it kind of got me back again. Yeah. All right, with everything that w- goes on with the uh, the lover killer. Yes, and uh, Romy Schneider. I think her in the car being raped. The fact that she fights back and she fights back to the point where almost like she is innocent yeah. in the end because yeah. for those listening out there. Rod Steiger, her husband, who she thinks that she's killed, comes back. And then he says that he's killed her lover, but then her lover comes back. And Mm -hmm. so everyone's back. And then at the end, Rod Steiger thinks that Romy Schneider is not really in love with him anymore and is still in love with the lover. But Romy Schneider is faking it Mm -hmm. to let Rod Steiger go. But then Rod Steiger has a heart attack. And so he's dying. So Romy has to go with her lover to go get a doctor for her husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really confusing. But in the end, her- it's very French. How, however, <laughs> having, having said all that, the idea 
that, okay, he's going to kill Rod Steiger, so I have to make it look like I'm with him. That's breaking Rod Steiger's heart. He doesn't yes. even have a will to live. But then, but the whole idea that now she's going to make the killer go and get a doctor, get doctor was pretty, him. yeah, was pretty good. And then it all ended up in that really terrific fight at yeah, the end. Yeah, that fight in the end where she's fighting back so hard that the cops actually believe her that she had nothing to do with the death and stuff of certain people. It was just really good. And also, I think Rod Steiger's performance in this is so good. Okay. It's a terrific character for him in Dirty Hands. But there's a part of me as a man that's humiliated watching him play that character. Yeah. It's, it's emasculating for a powerhouse. Yeah. Even, like, if it, even if it becomes part of his machinations and plan, yeah. uh -huh. it's still like hard to watch Rod Steiger. But I mean, almost like they say about uh, uh, somebody's a bottom, but they're a bossy bottom. All right. He may be... <laughs> <laughs> he may be a cuckold, but he's a pretty bossy cuckold. Yeah, yeah he is. He is. He's, he's a, cranky, a pretty demanding, cranky, a cranky cuckold. That's Rod Steiger playing a cuckold. He, yeah, can't, he can't stop being Rod Steiger. You're right. <laughs> Maybe the truest thing you've said on this whole fucking—not this show, of the Any entire show series. Ever. Right? That's Rod Steiger playing a cuckold. <laughs> <laughs> right on, Roger. Yeah. Right on. Rod Steiger did a lot of international productions, mm -hmm. especially even in the 60s, but especially in the 70s. He's in uh, Francisco Rossi's uh, Lucky Luciano. Yeah. You know, he's the star of uh, Duck You Sucker with mm -hmm. uh, Sergio Leone. Oh, my God. He's so good in Duck You Sucker. Yeah. And then, playing a Mexican bandito. Yeah. Well, he's pretty good playing a Mexican he's bandito. He's a fucking great Mexican bandito. Yeah. Are you kidding? Yeah. He's amazing. <laughs> there's a little bit of a thing out there that... Maybe the reason Leone stayed away from making movies 15 years was because of working with Rod Steiger. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, James Coburn had nothing to do. Like, he was like... <laughs> yeah, he got so used to working with actors. And, you know, and by the way, you know, Bronson can be prickly. All these guys can be prickly, sure, sure. all right? You know, um, uh, but they all kind of more or less signed on to what they were doing and kind of went with the flow as far as Italian filmmaking was concerned. One, Leone didn't want to direct the movie. He wanted to do everything behind the scenes, but have uh, uh, his assistant, Giancarlo Santi, who also directed um, Le Grand Dool yeah. with uh, Lee Van Cleef, which yeah. is a very good movie. Uh, Steiger and Coburn said, no, we're just not going to show up. You got to wow. be the director. Well, it's, it's, it's as... It's as if me, but not me. All right, you know, you have all all the ideas, but it's just Giancarlo. And he goes, well, then you can get somebody who acts like me, <laughs> and I'll tell them what to do. But you'll have them. All right. Um, I mean, it was just Rod Steiger's method acting ways, because you know, Bronson is not coming from method acting. Clint Eastwood's not coming from method acting. I mean, maybe actually Eli Wallach was coming from method acting, but he loved yeah. Leone, so no problem. Henry Fonda's not coming from method acting, you know. So, uh, uh, so it's his first time dealing with a true American method actor, and they just clash. And it's fucking about Rod Steiger. Everything. <laughs> okay. Apparently, the first time <laughs> that they're doing a scene. Had Leone started playing Morricone's music, all right, during the scene, Rod Steiger went apeshit. <laughs> Enough with this fucking shit. I can't act with this crap playing. <laughs> Turn this shit off. Isn't that how you make a fucking movie? And then consequently, <laughs> same thing on Rod Steiger's thing where he's like, okay, I've got to be running after this stagecoach. Well, Rod Steiger 
gets a half a mile away (laughs) where he can't even be seen. So when he runs up, all right, he's totally fucking tired. Oh, because he wants to do the method. Yeah, he wants to do the method thing. All right. And and Leo, okay, this is just fucking preposterous. Okay. Why don't you learn to fucking act? (laughs) This is just fucking ridiculous that we have to wait around for you a half a mile away to be out of breath. Give me a fucking break. <laughs> so they just did not get along at all. I think that also works for like the first take or two, but then when you're on like the later takes, it's a little bit more difficult to keep running that half mile. So. <laughs> no, I think then, then the actor's like, hey, you got it, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually I actually love the scene though at the end of Dirty Hands where Rod Steiger is having the heart attack. I think it's a little cockamamie that everyone just keeps coming back and forth. But the fact that Rod Steiger is like, it's like Boy Who Cried Wolf because everyone this entire movie is like, I did it. I didn't do it. I did it. I didn't do it. Mm-hmm. And then Rod Sawyer's like, no, like I'm actually having a heart attack right now. Like, I actually I actually need a doctor. Please help me. Please. I might die. No, it's <laughs> because, because the entire the entire movie is based on this fact that he's told his wife that he's had this heart attack. Mm-hmm. So he can't have sex. Mm-hmm. So the entire movie, like it. It loops back around to him actually having a heart attack. Like, mm-hmm. Be careful what you wish for. Be careful yeah. what you're telling people. Yeah. You fake it long enough, and mm-hmm. but you are you make right. it reality. But you are right. The movie more than probably more than any other movie where it's a a, a wife conspires with a lover to uh, kill the husband. It's kind of remarkable that Romy Schneider does manage to redeem herself. All yeah. right, by the last ten minutes. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. Is one, she's kind of a sympathetic character in the beginning because you believe that Rod Steiger, her husband, is kind of like mean, abusive, like low to her. And you really do believe that she's in love with her lover. Mm-hmm. I think his name's Jeff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All these Jeffs in my in my world all of a sudden. And then when Rod Steiger <laughs> comes back. Put Alan Blanchard's <laughs> girlfriend and Slivis. Yes. Jeff. And, and, and women in cages. Yes, yes, uh, Jeff. There are a lot of Jeffs. There There's a lot of Jeffs. Okay, yeah, we got a lot of Jeffs. Um, like uh, two of them are women. Yeah, that's very odd. <laughs> that's kind of strange. Roger and Quentin watched the English-language version of the film, while I watched it in French with English subtitles. Let's listen as we discuss the differences between the two, along with a discussion on version originale. <laughs> then he starts to pay her, and she somehow is okay with it, prostituting herself to her husband. I don't even remember that part, but yeah, I believe it was you. a very strange. Like she's like, "Oh, are you going to continue to pay?" That me? might not even be in the American <laughs> version. I don't. Yeah. I don't recall that. that I don't really be, recall uh... that at all. Okay, so in the, that sounds like something out of Lolita. Yeah, yeah. yeah. In the, so in the French version, when he come, or in the French language version, when he comes back, they have sex, and I think he kind of rapes her. But then he offers her money and says, I'll pay you every time we have sex. No, I don't remember that at all. And so that she's accepting. I thought the whole idea is he couldn't have sex. No, no, no. He somehow is like able to. I don't I don't really understand that part. That was the confusing part. Like, I think he was. I think New New Line wisely exercised that part. Because because then he's like it. Because then he's not impotent anymore. And the whole point of the character is that that he's impotent. impotent. Yeah, I think I might need to rewatch this in English, to be honest, at least that scene when he returns, because. Mm. So you you love Rod Steiger in this so much and you never saw him do it in his own performance. By the way, that's the thing I actually. By the way, that's legit because you're hearing Romy Schneider and her. Well, actually, in both cases, because she dubs it in English. But you know what? I actually. Actually, I think I was I wanted to watch it original language. Mm-hmm. So I thought, oh, French must be original language yeah, version because original. there's a French thing. Well, again, European films are sometimes when they when they've got international cast, the whole yeah. original version thing kind of goes, goes out, out the, the window. window. Yeah. yeah. Literally the word I was going to well, use. But, yeah. but, but, <laughs> you, owe me a, you owe me a seven. Up. No, no. It was just we did it in well, stereo. You owe me a LaCroix. You know, we the- did it in stereo. We did it in stereo. <laughs> and it, it, I think it, that was it, what Stevie used to say when you when you would say the same line as somebody else at the same time in stereo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Fantastic Planet. Yeah. 
uh, the English language dub is way better mm. than the French, mm. uh, than the original French version, I think. Well, so. I made a point about that when it comes to yeah. Mario Bava's Evil Eye. Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah. I know, and that, that, which that, is a vast improvement and I, and I agree on the with, screenplay. I agree fact. with that, actually. Yeah. And, then, and then that, you know, and then that one, if you want to hear John Saxon, well, yeah. you got to watch the English language version yeah. and the Italian one. It's not him. For <laughs> Dirty Hands. Which language version do you guys think would be better to watch then? Well, do you think I, English I, language? Well, we haven't seen the, yeah, I haven't yeah. seen I the French seen version, the but I, I... I would choose the version... Person, I normally, had such fun I, watching Rod Steiner yeah, yeah. that I'm just going to say English language. Look, normally I would choose for a Claude Chabrol film. I would pick the French version, but if Rod Steiger is the second lead in the thing, yeah. I want to hear Rod Steiger. And, you know, and maybe, Rome, maybe if I'm in France, I'm going to watch the movie in version of Yeah, original. and Romy is probably, I think, dubbing herself. Yeah, she English. absolutely So maybe dubbing. English is the better way to go because then you have two actors doing their original performances rather than I think one. It's, yeah, one. I think it's the way, whatever you decide. Yeah, well, maybe I'll even watch the Spanish uh, mm-hmm. version just to see Paolo Gusti. Jean Rochefort was a fan favorite for Roger and Quentin. Listen next as we talk about how he lights up the movie. Yeah, well, but, the real reason yeah. to see this movie, though, is uh, Jean Rochefort. Well, I, well, yeah, and you haven't even mentioned him. You know what? No, he's, he's the lawyer. He's so funny. His scenes where he just like, okay, the moment where he goes in, he's like, I think it's the the judge that he's speaking yeah, with. They're, they're, yeah, they're having they're that little meeting, the little the negotiation. Judge, and he starts saying like, oh, well, this, this, this and this happened. And they're just like, hmm. No, no, we have this evidence, and then he's like, "Oh, well, I can prove that." Yeah, was, the way the way that he's just constantly he moving navigates, to, navigates to the left or like right of ship, whatever the law is telling him, like a yeah. ship in the dark, and he brings such humor to uh, it uh, and realism because that's actually how the legal process I would works. So watch a TV show with that character, <laughs> oh, that character. especially if Jean Rochefort at that uh, at that age was playing it. Yeah, can you imagine? I would have the whole fucking season. So. Yeah, right. I would watch everything like, with I, that I, I wanted him to be Myler. I wish all lawyers were like that because at the end of that conversation, how he manages to basically get the judge to say, oh, okay, we don't have a case against her. Yeah. Like, he just navigated that so well. Mm. It's one of my... I, th- I find lawyer stuff in movies kind of boring usually, mm-hmm. unless I guess there's a little bit of comedy brought in. And mm-hmm. I think that Jean Rochefort well, brings in. Well, and, and by the way, it's not just completely out of the blue. They're up. Obviously, jumping off from James M. Cain's uh, Postman Always Rings Twice. And in, in the novel and both versions of the movie, it's a lawyer that saves the lover's ass. Yeah. All right. It's Hume Cronin in the uh, 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 John Garfield version, and it's uh, Michael Lerner in the uh, uh, Nicholson version. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And he fuck, and in both cases, they steal the show. Well, you know, they steal the show when they come in. <laughs> it's, a, it's a lawyer's job mm-hmm. to put forward a narrative. Yeah. And then the other lawyer's job to put forward a competing narrative. Mm-hmm. And whichever narrative is the most convincing is generally the winner. And so what, what John Rochefort does is he literally, with the help of the judge almost, the judge mm-hmm. is almost in on it because you can see the way he's kind of like, yeah. well, what about this possibility? And he's throwing out these different narrative mm-hmm. ideas to, until he gets to a narrative that the judge is sort of like, you know, it would be too much trouble for the courts and for anybody else to fight that. Mm-hmm. I think it's a realistic depiction. It's done well, as a comedy also, scene, but it's a realistic depiction of the legal process. Yes. Well, also because it's like, you know, he's a well-known lawyer. And yeah. so the judge knows him, you yeah. know, and he's not going to waste time and he's not going to be brash and he is going to have his shit together. <laughs> yeah. I, it's 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 a great moment because it's what you always, if you're in trouble, that's kind of what you would want to have happen is that, yeah, yeah. that, that guy like, lawyer. that guy's your white knight when mm-hmm. he shows up. Oh, and well, he's a white knight for the movie. I mean, yeah. it's, it's, yeah, he re- really it's reinvigorates one of, the it's movie. It's one of the best special guest star performances yeah. of any of the movies that we've talked about so far. Yeah, sure. I think he really helps reinvigorate the movie. And also, mm-hmm. when you're in that like little tiny like judge room, it could get really boring. But when you have an actor like that that's playing the part, this it doesn't drag. 
If you like Dirty Hands, why not check out some of Quentin's other suggestions from Claude Chabrol? So for anyone out there who like really liked this movie, what other Claude Chabrol films would you guys recommend to them? Oh, Le Bouchard. Yeah, Le Bouchard. Le Bouchard. That's the... Ed- the Butcher. Yeah, it's, it's the yeah. English th- title. It's still a windy movie, all right, with very few thrills. Right. Uh, but I think of his thrillers, it's, you know, the classic thrillers. It's his best. But I haven't seen. It's also one I think we have on the shelves of archives. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I haven't seen Lee Bitches, all right. Yeah, uh, yeah that one was kind of on my radar I haven't for a seen while. That one I've, no, I've heard it's really good, too. And I, ha- I, have, I haven't seen that. Uh, but. Uh, I think the reason that Lee Butcher is so good is... Have you seen it, Roger? Yeah, yeah I've seen like back in the day. Yeah, yeah okay. I think I saw the, the VHS that's in the store. Yeah, it has a, like a great eight-minute uninterrupted take, all yeah. right, when Stephanie Andre, his wife, uh, meets uh, sure. uh, the butcher. And then they kind of walk through the village just having a, a conversation. And it's, it's thrilling. It's a really thrilling. But that's my favorite part of the movie, frankly, yeah. to tell you. Yeah. Having, said, you know, having said all these things, though... Um, Absolutely, my favorite Claude Chabrol movie is not one of his thrillers. It's mm. the, uh, the Isabelle Huppert film he did, Story of a Woman. Yeah. Uh, about a woman who's providing um, uh, illegal abortions uh, in Vichy during the time of the occupation where she could get shot, but she's also making a lot of money. Yeah. And uh, it's one of Isabelle Huppert's best performances, which is saying a lot. Uh, but I mean, it's just a fuck, it's a fantastic movie. It's just really, really great. In fact, I wouldn't mind seeing, I've never seen it. I, um, uh, around the same time, uh, Chabrol did a, a version of Madame Bovary with uh, Isabel. Right. I haven't I would, seen that either. I haven't seen that it, might but be I, a good one for us to see. I would like to see that one, actually, yeah. But I'll watch anything he does with Isabel Hubert. Yeah. As a Video Archives employee, I'm being trained on where to put the tapes back on the shelves. Do I pass the following test? Keep listening to find out. So, uh, Gala, do you think it's Dirty Hands or do you think it's Innocence with Dirty Hands? And I know that the French title is, you know, Les Innocents. So, what is it? What are you asking Men, so, like, do you, Which it, title would I go with? Did, oh, okay. Didn't we? Here, it wasn't the VHS just said, plain Dirty made, Hands. We made it a point to just call it Dirty Hands because yeah. that's what the American version yeah. and that was the, the tape. Hey, because here. the idea of Innocence with Dirty Hands is somebody who's innocent, but they've got, like, when they say Dirty Hands, what they mean is. Blood. It's, yeah, they mean blood on the hands. Yeah. Okay. Here in this room. In video archives, as an employee of video archives, it's dirty hands. That's where yes. it's going on the shelf. Well, under, under D, you're... under D, not under I, under D. Your daddy's dumb. <laughs> <laughs> in the foreign section, French language, or actually she maybe is. not. Um, but you know what? I understand the title "Innocence with Dirty Hands" because Romy Schneider isn't innocent with dirty hands. Yeah. She plans this entire murder of her husband that just doesn't even occur. And so it's like she is innocent, but she is a pawn in this entire scheme. Well, then it should, that should really be if you want the if you're watching the original version as you did, maybe use the French title, mm-hmm. which it, which always gives me the problem I always have whenever I'm cataloging anything. Do you catalog it under L for Les Innocents or under I for Innocence? I think I because you don't catalog under no, T. You're, the. No, you don't catalog under okay, T for the. I'll, but no, it's, no, no, this, but, but it's a foreign film. No, but no, it doesn't matter. All right, Le, La. Uh, like Lee, La Ventura, right, La Ventura, yeah, for yeah, example. No, 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 no. Under L or under A? La Ventura. Hey, hey. all right. Well, oddly enough, La Ventura <laughs> is the one that I would do under L. All right. Because <laughs> it's an L apostrophe. Yeah, it's, it it's a tough one. It's no, a, I, I, I picked that on purpose. No, that's a good one. That's a good one. That, that, I, I'm full I of threw shit. a challenge at I'm you. I'm full of shit. I put La Ventura under uh, L. However, because I think it's just... That's how you think about it. Yeah, I agree. Right. I agree. Um, but one of the things I do that could be considered controversial for a video store, if the movie is A, A Man Alone, 
uh, a big hand for the little lady. Yeah. I put, if it's, ah, uh, if it starts A, I put it in A. And I feel like it should, I feel like that is the case where it should go in A. Yeah, yeah. I, it's not the, not the, but I absolutely yeah. do yeah. feel. Uh, yeah. Close enough. Yeah. A man and a woman is under A. Under A. It's yeah. not under man and a woman. Yeah, it's not under man and woman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what movie that is, but. Yeah. <laughs> now, uh, uh, okay, now Roger picked, we did best shot. All right. And. Uh, oh, and uh, he did the kite. Yeah, he did the kite falling on her derriere. I love that kite falling on the derriere. Because uh-huh. when I was watching it in French, it just felt like some guy was like walking through the forest with a kite and it just mm-hmm. like landed on her butt. And I was like, what is going on here? Like, yeah. what a way to open a movie. Yeah. But you got it though, right? You know, he, uh, can, yeah. he can get it up. He you get, get it. it you get it. You get the kite in the air. He gets it up. Get it. Get it. Get it. Nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah, I get it. Anyway, thanks, guys, for sitting down and talking with me about Dirty Hands. Well, thank you for doing the due diligence to track it down and uh, join the conversation. Yes, $20 at Barnes & Noble for the Pathfinder DVD, and you can listen to it in English, French, or partially in Spanish. Or if you're lucky like me, you can listen to it on the wizard videotape with a great box. And that's solid color. I mean, you know, one of the best shot films that we'd we've done it, it, one of the most stylish could have been made by it looked like a tony scott film yeah yeah, yeah. times it was amazing so what was on my one dollar tape of dirty hands exactly what we thought a promotional copy of the movie so no surprises there however the tape does hold a very special place on my shelf and my heart why well during the video archives days my dad was known for drawing lots of plaques and cartoons around the store He's an amazing cartoonist, and I grew up with his drawings all over our house. I asked him if he would draw me a VHS cover for Dirty Hands, and I expected him to draw me something, but I didn't expect it to be as amazing as what I got. Not only did he draw me a rad cover, but he also took the time to design the spine and the back of the box. And it reads, Sometimes you have to get your hands dirty. Claude Chabrol presents Rod Steiger and Romy Schneider in a sexually charged thriller. When Lewis finds himself a cuckold to his beautiful wife's young lover, Jeff, no one will emerge without blood on their hands. Color, 1975. Well, even though I've got my Wizard Home video copy, nothing beats my one-of-a-kind Roger Avery Dirty Hands VHS box. I think Quentin will be jealous. And that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning into the Video Archives After Show. Have a burning question you want the answers to? make sure to write in for a chance to have your question featured on the after show. You guys, we just did a major overhaul to our website. Now on our website, you guys can find out more info about our show, all of the previous countertalk newsletters that you may have missed. And there's even digital archives where you guys can see the actual tapes that used to be at video archives that we've covered on the show so far. There's also a link to our merch so you can get your t-shirt and everything else that you want. You might even find some Easter eggs hidden amongst the pictures. Next week, join Quentin and Roger as they discuss three new films. Want to know ahead of time what we're watching? Here's a riddle for all of you loyal fans out there. Try and figure it out. The first movie is a Pinoy revenge matic featuring a leading man with a missing limb. The second is a science fiction western featuring a leading man from a Kubrick film. And the third movie is The Doberman Gang, but without the dogs. I'm your bum who likes it hot, Gala Avery, signing out. See you next time on the Video Archives After Show. Don't 
despite me sharing the same last name with this charity, I don't have any affiliation with it, besides the fact the issue is very near and dear to my heart. Did you know that in the United States, 2.7 million children currently have a parent in prison, and it's estimated that 10 million children have experienced parental incarceration at some point in their lives? I was one of these kids, and as an adult, I am really grateful to be able to give back to Project Avery. Their mission is to build leadership from within by supporting community through programs such as mentoring and outdoor education, and also to remove the stigma surrounding having a parent that's incarcerated. You don't have to feel alone. If you know a kid who could use these resources or would like to donate money or time to the charity, please go to Project Avery, that's A-V-A-R-Y dot org, to check out what this amazing charity is all about. Again, that's projectavery.org. Thank you guys from the bottom of my heart. Want to know what your favorite writers, directors, actors, and photographers are secretly interested in? Check out The Gala Show, where each week a guest of my choosing brings an entirely new topic to the mic, and it can be anything they want to discuss. The catch? They only have 30 minutes. Join me, your reporter on the beat, Gala Avery, every Thursday for a new discussion on The Gala Show, available wherever you get your podcasts. (laughs) 